Hi to everyone. I hope that you're keeping well at this enormously challenging and disruptive time. I'm reading from John chapter 20, verses 19 through to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. My name is Scott, and I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church Modbury. Great to be with you this morning. Since the beginning of the year at our church, we've been going on a little journey through the Gospel of John. And along the way, we've seen more and more about who Jesus is. Uh, Next week, that journey comes to an end. But this week, we get to delve into a really big question. See, throughout uh, John, one of the questions that has kept coming up again and again and again has been this. What do you trust? Who do you have your faith in? What do you believe in? They're pretty big questions, aren't they? Uh, Today, our passage really brings all of that to a head. And so I thought we might do something a little bit different, something a bit, hopefully it's fun. Um, Instead of the normal three or four points, we're going to do a top five countdown. So here we are, the top five things about believing in Jesus from John chapter 20. Let's go. Number five. In the Bible, faith, belief, and trust all mean the same thing. See, today when we use those words, we tend to use them in a different way. For example, when we talk about faith today, we tend to think of something that's mystical, something not really based on hard evidence, but something that we believe anyway. We talk about things like me having my faith and you having your faith. Who really knows what's true? Who really knows what the outcome will be? But that's the way we use the word faith. It's entirely subjective. That's different to the way we use the word belief. 
When we talk about believing, there is often uh, a reason to believe. Our belief is grounded in something, but still the outcome is not sure. So we'll say to our kids, no, no, you can do it. I believe in you. And our belief there isn't baseless. We, we've got some kind of idea of their abilities, and that's why we're urging them to pursue something. But at the same time, the outcome isn't really sure. That's why we're trying to motivate them to get there. And so belief is different. It's not that leap in the dark, who knows what's going to happen. But as well, when we talk about believing, we're often not really sure where things are going to land. And that's different again from the way that we use the word trust. Trust is based on something strong, something solid. Trust is based on the real evidence, the real facts, even past experience. So you will hear people say things like, I trust in science to give me answers. Or even something like, I trust my mum because she's never let me down in the past. When we talk about trust, we mean there's, there's some clear evidence, some real facts that makes us sure about the outcome or, or the result. And that's the way we tend to use those words in society today. But that's not the case in the Bible. The Bible actually tends to use those words in the same way. That is, faith, belief, and trust really all mean the same thing in the Bible. And in the Bible, they mean what we often mean by trust. That is, when the Bible talks about faith or belief or trust, it really all means there's, there's evidence there, there's real clear facts, there's, there's a solid ground to believe this stuff. Now, today we're going to see the word belief used a lot throughout our passage. And you would have noticed as it was read just before for us. But when you hear that word, don't think oh, this is some kind of wishy-washy motivational speech. Or don't think this is kind of a, a belief, something like a leap in the dark and who knows where it's going to get you. It's there as a word. It's, it's meaning to say to us, there is real reasons to have this belief. Real reasons to think it's true. There's real evidence behind it all. Because in the Bible, belief and faith and trust all mean the same thing. Number four. Back then, people doubted just as much as we do today. So we can have this view that we think, in Jesus' day, well, people were just a little bit more gullible. They'd believe just about anything that they heard. They weren't scientific people like us today. But the passage we just read shows us that that's not true. You see it firstly with the disciples. Mary, uh, in the bit just before where we read, Mary had just met Jesus, and in verse 18... Uh, look at verse 18 with me. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. But that didn't mean that the disciples believed her straight away. No, they, they weren't gullible. They didn't just take this in. In fact, they needed Jesus to come and stand before them. They needed to see Jesus themselves before they were overjoyed, as it says in verse 20. See, they, they, these guys are skeptics. They're, they're doubters. But really, Thomas is the one where we see this so clearly. Thomas has often been referred to as Doubting Thomas, which I think is probably a little bit unfair to him. 
Because let's be honest, wouldn't you and I do the same thing that he did? Put yourself in Thomas's shoes for a moment. You've just seen your friend. He's been brutalized by the government forces, strung up on a cross. You've seen him die, take his last breath as his body withers under the stress of everything. You've seen him die and been placed in a tomb. Then a couple of days later, your mates come and say, hang on, no, he's alive. We, we, we've seen him. What do you think to yourself at that moment? Well, you're not convinced, are you? you, you, you I'd be thinking, no, 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 this is, this is just, just a prank. Very convenient that it happened when I wasn't there. This is just a prank. It's in poor taste, but it's a prank nonetheless. And that's Thomas. Right? He needed to see the evidence for himself. He wasn't just going to take a blind leap of faith into the dark and not know what came next. If he was going to be convinced, he needed to see the real Jesus. And so you can see in verse 25, he sets up his standard of proof. Look at verse 25 with me. But he, Thomas, Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. You see, Thomas is not a gullible person. He's not going to believe anything just because his mates say it happened. He wants to see the proof, the real proof. Because back then, people doubted and people needed proof just as much as we do today. Number three. Back then, Jesus gave them all the proof they needed. See, Thomas has set up his standard of proof. He says, I need to see Jesus, to, to put my hands into his scars. And so a week goes by, and the disciples are back in the same room together. This time, Thomas is with them. And just like last week, Jesus walks into the room. Can you imagine what's going on for Thomas right now? And his eyes surely are opening up a little bit wider. Perhaps his heart is starting to beat a bit faster. His palms are starting to grow sweaty. It really is Jesus. He's right here amongst us. And then in a moment that's filled with tension, uh, that's, that's climactic, uh, in the book of John. Jesus turns to Thomas, and look what he says. It's there in verse 27. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Put yourself in Thomas's shoes here for a moment. What are you thinking? What's racing around your mind at the moment? Well, the thing is, we don't need to guess, do we? Because we can see Thomas's response in the very next verse, verse 28. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus has given Thomas all the proof he needs. Not just to know that it really is Jesus standing in front of him there on that day, but to know something deeper to know something truer about who Jesus really is. See, Thomas has seen, he's got the historical facts in front of him. He's, he's seen things, he's heard things, he's, he, he's touched Jesus. 
And it leads him to only one conclusion. Jesus is my Lord and Jesus is my God. See, back then, Jesus gave them all the proof they needed to believe. Number two. We have all the proof we need to believe in Jesus, even today. We're starting to get to the pointy end of the countdown, aren't we? But at this point, it's easy to have a problem that goes something like this. Thomas, great for him. He got to see Jesus. He got to talk to Jesus. He even got to touch Jesus' nail marks. But me? That hasn't happened to me. I've never seen Jesus, never talked with him. I've never even touched the nail marks in his hands. No way. So why should I believe like Thomas does? You get to, get to thinking to yourself, look, if only I'd lived back then, if only I've lived at that time of Jesus, then, then I would know and I could be sure. Or maybe if only Jesus came down and stood in front of me today so I could see him and talk with him and know that he really is real. Well, I just want to, for a moment, take us on a hypothetical. Let, let's just imagine, let's imagine that Jesus did come down and stand in front of you today. That you saw him, that he talked with you, that he showed off his nail marks and the wound in his side. Uh, and let's imagine you, you're convinced. This is real. Jesus is really true. Jesus really is my Lord. Jesus really is my God. At that point... What are you going to do about it? I've got no doubt what you do. Won't you go and tell your friends? Won't you go and tell your family and your neighbours and even those that you don't know? Because you, you've been convinced. You've seen him for yourself. You know the facts. You know the truth. Jesus really is your God and their God too. But then you run into a problem. See, most of us, we probably only got, well, what? 20, 30, 40 years left here. So maybe you can tell your grandkids, but what about their children? And what about their grandchildren? And in fact, what about all those people that you won't ever get to talk to, even in your lifetime? What will you do? Wouldn't you write about it? Wouldn't you write a record so that it's there, so that people can hear and keep hearing? Friends, that's just exactly what happened. The disciples saw the evidence. They knew the truth. They were convinced of the facts. And they were convinced of what it meant. And they didn't want anyone to miss out. So look at verse 30 with me. Verse 30, it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Friends, doubts may arise from time to time. Uh, it's not a sign that you're a second-rate Christian. For many of us, that's just life this side of heaven. I know it's certainly true for me. Um, from time to time, doubts will just rise up for some reason. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to why it happens or when it happens. It just does. Is that you too? Do you find that these doubts creep into life? 
I want to ask a question then. What do you do when that happens, when the doubts come? What do you do? Well, today I just want to suggest one thing, that when these doubts creep in, we turn back to the evidence, back to the eyewitnesses, that we turn to people like John, who, who wrote this book in the Bible. Uh, he was one of the disciples who was there with Jesus, who saw Jesus, who heard him, who saw the nail marks in his hands and his side, who were convinced and who wanted you to know as well, who didn't want you to miss out. And it's not like John did this for, for profit at all. No, he, he gained nothing from it. In fact, mostly it, it brought bad things under his life. A lot of the time he was socially rejected because he was an eyewitness for Jesus. Uh, in fact, at the end of his life, John was uh, hunted down by the authorities, captured and then taken away from society, put into exile on an island, far away from those that he loved and those that he knew. And John didn't do this for profit. And it's not just John's voice that we have to listen to either. There's more. Uh, the New Testament has Matthew, Mark and Luke. And, and that's just to begin with. There's others as well. Uh, people who knew Jesus, who were convinced of who he is, that he is Lord and God. So when, when these doubts arise, friends, I just want to urge us, go back to the evidence, go back to the eyewitnesses, those who saw, who heard, who touched. There's John and there's more. And they wanted you to know. They wanted you to know. That's why they kept the record. In fact, if the story of Jesus really is true, everything is the way we should expect it to be. People being convinced people passing down their records through the generations so that we today have all the evidence we need, all the proof we need to be convinced that Jesus really is real. Number one. What Jesus really wants is for you to believe. And this is the first and most important thing you'll hear today. Uh, let me tell you a story. Um, uh, I used to study in Sydney, and the place I studied in Sydney was just across the road from Sydney University. Now, Sydney University is the oldest university in Australia. It's quite picturesque in a lot of places. There's um, a lot of grandiose-looking buildings around. I used to go there a bit. Um, it's quite a nice place to hang out. And uh, one day when I was there, uh, I met a guy, and we kind of became friends and would have coffee every now and again. Uh, but this guy wasn't a Christian. He didn't believe in Jesus, or at least he didn't think that Jesus was his Lord and his God. Uh, so one day I, I thought about asking him, I asked him a question. I said, what do you think Jesus wants from you? And his answer was really interesting. He said, you know, I think Jesus would want me to stop doing things, to stop smoking weed and stop cussing so much. I was intrigued by his answer. Uh, really interesting. But he missed what Jesus really did want from him. And in fact, what Jesus wants from all of us. We see it there in verse 27. What, Jesus, what does Jesus really want from us? He wants us to believe. Take a look at verse 27 again. The words Jesus said to Thomas echo through the ages to us. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. It's so clear for us, isn't it? What Jesus really wants is for us to believe, to, to see the evidence, to read uh, John and what he read and, and, and the rest, to see the evidence 
and to believe, to throw our lot in with him, our Lord and our God. Sure, Jesus might ask us to change, uh, to stop doing things or to start doing things, but really that's just a consequence of our trusting him. The main game is still trusting Jesus. What Jesus really wants for us is to believe, to have him as our Lord and our God. And this serves as a reminder to us not to make it about something else. It can sometimes be easy to think of Jesus and Christianity and the church, and we can make it about other things like uh, rules, doing things or not doing things. Or we can make it about having a certain lifestyle, uh, being like this and fitting in with these habits. We can make it about having a mold that we all need to be like, like a Trinity mold where we do things this way and that, that, that these things are right, that we need to be like this kind of person. And, you know, sure, there are good patterns to keep, habits of life that are going to be good for us all. Uh, and the other thing to say is that sometimes Jesus will call us all to give up certain things. But we need to keep the main thing the main thing. That, that, that is the central thing, the thing that is the basis for everything else in Christian life is believing in Jesus, is trusting in him, is throwing our lot in with him. So what Jesus really wants for us is to believe. Let me pose this question to you then. Have you made it about something else? There'll be some of us, though, who are tuning in this morning and we're thinking to ourselves, I, I don't really trust in Jesus. I'm not really sure about all this evidence. And, and look, if that's you, I just want to say, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. I'm so glad you could be here with us at Church Online today. Uh, and, and you're right. In, in some ways, we've only really caught a glimpse. There's much more to Jesus to explore, even just in the book of John, let alone the rest of the Bible. And so I wanted to make an invite to you today. Why not check out Jesus? Why not investigate Jesus for yourself? Uh, a lot of us right now have a bit of extra time on our hands and we're not commuting in and out of work. We're not able to go out. We're um, socially distant from one another and staying at home. And So there's a bit of extra time on your hands. Uh, why not use that extra time to investigate Jesus for yourself? Uh, in a moment, Ada's going to tell us about an online communication card that, that all of us can fill out. But if this is you, if you're thinking, I don't trust in Jesus, maybe I should investigate where this goes. Um, I want to invite you, fill out that online communication card. And there's a box there uh, that you can tick. The box is labelled, I'd like to hear more about Jesus and the hope he offers. Tick that box and we'd love to follow up with you sometime really soon. Well, friends, there it is. The top five things about believing in Jesus from John chapter 20. I've enjoyed doing something a little bit different. I hope it's worked for you in your household. Uh, but why don't we end by praying together? Let, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the one we can believe in. We thank you for the eyewitnesses who's, who've left the evidence, the records for us, so that we too can believe. Please help us believe. And we pray, Father, for those who don't yet believe. Our prayer is that you would move them from uncertainty to trust in Jesus 
And we pray this in his name. Amen. Friends, it's been great to be with you this morning, but I'm going to throw it back to Ada now.